Hello and welcome back to the Imperfectly Empowered podcast. I am your host, Anna Fulmer. Today, we have an old friend of mine. His name is Zach Bowermaster. Zach is a principal, author, and speaker, passionate about encouraging others to grow as leaders inside and out, empowering us to grow our vertical relationship with God and spread it horizontally to the people we lead, especially our families. Welcome, author and speaker, Zach Bowermaster. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Don. I appreciate you having me on again. It's great to be here. It's fun to have you again. I, uh, For those of you listening and watching, Zach and I were talking, and he was looking at my chair, and he said, I sat in that chair. And I was like, what? And then we were remembering after school one time, he used to be the principal of my kid's school. He had to quick do a podcast. He's done many podcasts, and we lived right down the road. So we're like, yeah, come on over. So it's fun swapping podcasts again with another book. Yeah, no, a lot of fun. And like I said, I remember being in that seat. You said, I remember, I, I think I messaged you and I said, hey, we have a school board meeting. I don't like to do podcasts from school. Yeah. Can I use your, can I use your area? Your, I said like your fancy area. You're like, believe me, yeah. it's not really that fancy in the seat. <laughs> but, and but you it, saw it really wasn't. It was like tucked into a closet in the house that we we're still renting. Currently. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah. a nice little corner in there. Yeah. Um, well, it's it is really an honor to have you back on. For those of you that were not familiar with Zach, he wrote a previous book. Um, trying to remember the title here, Leading with a Humble Heart, a 40-day devotional for leaders. I read that one as well. It is a really great book. Um, this one's fun, the leading with people. It's I think it's a little bit more like it is framework driven. So those of you that love acronyms, you're going to love this. We love acronyms in medicine. <laughs> I don't know about education, but in medicine, everything's about acronyms. So for there's those a, of you that like acronyms. <laughs> there's a lot of acronyms in education. Yeah, man, I don't know what we just like to be creative and fancy, yeah. but you're going to love you're going to love this book. But one of the things that I want to start with is you start in the first chapter which I thought was apropos considering the book is as pillars, the idea of pillars. And you start with the concept of setting a foundation. And before you dove into the pillars, and I think this is true of anything in our lives, and we don't think about it this way. And this was one of the reasons we don't actually see the results that we want in our life is because before we dive into any type of framework or pillars that we want to establish, whether they be health and fitness pillars, right? It's like we set up these diet pillars in our life that we want to start implementing or or exercise pillars or relational pillars. Um, we often neglect to consider the foundation that we're working off of. And if that foundation isn't set and you're not clear on, on your why for one and what the problem is that you're actually trying to solve with the pillars, which I think often comes with the foundation, the pillars are, in essence, going to be fairly ineffective. So I'd love to hear your, you know, your own personal story of foundation and what really led you to even considering this need for these pillars in your life. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's spot on because the book focuses on an acronym of the word people. So, and we'll probably dive into it more. The P is prioritize people. The E is empathize. The O is observe and respond with compassion. The second P is pray, the L is love, and the E is encourage. And 
that's in our roles, whether it's a mom, a dad, whether it's at your job, no matter what you're doing, that priority of people. But we want to be at our strongest. And I know this gets talked about a lot, like uh, putting on the oxygen mask for yourself first. Yeah. And so you're you're at your best for others. And and that's where and even so the first my first edit of this book, I turned it into the publisher. He called me a few weeks later and he said, you already have a book out. It's been well received. This book that you just wrote here and submitted it. We need more Zach in it. So he encouraged mm. me to be my authentic self. So what I did, and I open up the story with, I open up the book with when I was a seventh grade teacher and I was leading a meeting with the seventh grade team, uh, I, I just became so overwhelmed and felt nauseous. So I, I said, I don't feel well. And I started to walk out and then I passed out. And when I came to, I was surrounded by a lot of people. And Which would have been, if you guys need to understand too, how tall are you? I'm six three, so I'm six three, yeah. two hundred twenty five. So a six three guy is passing out. I mean, this would have been, yeah, disturbing for people to watch too, probably. No, you're you're exactly right. Um, I call myself the fainting goat. You know, the goat, the goats faint. <laughs> but so that, I mean, that certainly ties into it. That was part of. So so I come to, and I'm surrounded by the school nurse, the assistant principal, a couple of teachers. And they're they're checking my blood sugar and, and all these sorts of things. They walk me to the nurse's office, escorting me. Again, I'm six foot three. They're escorting yeah. <laughs> me. And here, here's the scary thing. Well, I thought, so I had been hiding a secret. I was battling significant anxiety and depression. And I wasn't telling anybody about it. And one of my worst fears was that happening, where I would mm. get so nauseous and I would go down. And then it's almost like all my stories exposed. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm glad it happened. And I remember calling uh, a mentor of mine, one person that I had been working with. And he said, I told him, he said, hey, you just survived your biggest fear. Like Mm. It's it's going to be okay." But anyway, so starting at that point, I was able to go back then and unpack it a little bit. And it truly opened up my eyes to how much um, I was really walking alone. So how much I needed people in my life. First, this was a time where it really drew me closer to the Lord, uh, quiet mornings in scripture and in prayer, just memorizing scripture. Um, so really building my relationship with God, that vertical relationship, but then also being able to then what the book talks about, then spread that horizontally to the people who are in our lives. And, it, and, we, and I can't do it um, without my, my relationship with God, but it, it truly opened up my eyes not just that relationship, but the need to be in community and surround myself with mm-hmm. people. So mm-hmm. in the first chapter, before we even really dive into it, I talk about building the foundation. I talk about um, Bible reading, memorizing scripture. I talk about prayer. I talk about who's coming with you, mentorships. Mm-hmm. Are there people that you're mentoring, a close group of people? I talk about stepping outside your comfort zones because um, I think I I think I got really comfortable. And this was a situation in my life that started to really stretch me outside my comfort zone as I started to open up and share with yeah. more people. And so honestly, in my weakest moment is was a situation where I was becoming stronger and my foundation was really um, being mm-hmm. built. And I know foundation is not something we can just build and forget about. We need to continue to maintain that foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, and and things like these are certainly well received. People really appreciate strengths and 
your accomplishments, but they definitely connect with weaknesses and vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like you can't, it's really hard to grow stronger if you can't identify your weak points. And the challenge is not living in the weakness. Like that's one of the things that sometimes you can get caught in. I'm just not good at this. Mm -hmm. And it becomes almost like a worth statement as opposed to being like, well, actually in my weakness, he is made strong, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and being able to leverage, leverage that in a way that actually ends up being for our good, not for our downfall. There's something you said though, that I would love to highlight because I think this is a piece that is so hard to recognize in our life. You mentioned that you were you were alone. But I think this is the this is the subtle misunderstanding about loneliness is having I mean knowing you and we have very similar family dynamics like you were probably rarely alone. Like you're not the guy that has no family, you know, who is estranged from extended family who doesn't have social connections or who struggles to interact with people on a daily basis. We're really similar in a lot of ways, like connections, probably strengths of ours. So, you know, I want to pause there for a second because I know what you're saying. And I think there's a lot of people, especially men who I think struggle with this more is help clarify for us what you were feeling when you said I was walking alone because to the external eye, I am sure you weren't actually alone. So what what does that look like and what does that feel like? And then what changed practically? Great point. I was surrounded by a lot of people. So I was surrounded by a lot of people. So my wife, Carly, had two kids at the time. And, you know, I was a, a teacher. I was a coach. And... I think the biggest thing is this, it was keeping this story inside. Like, Hey, I I started to feel like, you know what? I'm battling something. And Mm -hmm. I remember I wanted to be in moments with my kids. I'm supposed to feel happy. I couldn't sleep. So I had a lot of physical symptoms. And I know we've talked about that a little bit before. Um, Nausea, the heart's racing, always checking my heartbeat. Went to the doctors a couple of times because I thought, Hey, maybe something's wrong with my heart. Everything was checking out. Okay. But, uh, in all that time, I, I was I was keeping it inside. So it, in my head, I was building it up and it became, and I was magnifying this and it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And to the point, I slowly started to say some things to my wife. Like I just slowly started to, to trickle it out there. Like, hey, I think I'm struggling a little bit. I, I had never felt anything like that. Yeah. A, a coach, a, a parent, a teacher, like everything had always gone according to plan. And it, it's like, I kept checking these boxes, but I kept feeling worse. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's the biggest thing when when I almost chose to be alone and I slowly started to distance myself where mm-hmm. I didn't want to feel nauseous. I didn't want to have that feeling of going out in public. So I would actually fake sick to my wife, say, oh, I'm not feeling too well. And I would I started it, it caused me to start to distance myself from even people around me. Mm hmm. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is, I mean, the takeaway that I'm getting is the idea of it's almost like an emotional loneliness. Mm-hmm. It's that idea that um, there's not a sense of comfort and um, security in being vulnerable. 
And so in keeping it in, it's not that you're socially alone, but it's a sense of if I share this and make myself uncomfortable, one, it might be a hit to my pride because I should have it all together. Mm -hmm. And two, then I have to talk about it, right? I think this is half yeah. of what keeps us back is it's like, I don't feel good keeping it in, but if I let it out, then I inherently have to talk about it, which is also uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's, that, I feel like that's yeah. the loneliness. That, and that's immediately how I felt when I opened my eyes and realized I had passed out at school. I was like, oh no, my worst fear. You're I like, don't it. look at me. Just don't yeah. look at me. <laughs> I, now, I now, like I had, just like you said, I thought, I have to have it all together. I need to be strong. Yeah. For I need to be strong for my kids, for the team, for the team, the, the kids in my class. And that time I felt so vulnerable. And, yeah. But like I said, it's been such a blessing. And I would encourage anyone listening who who is struggling or just open up to people, start to tell your story because, yeah. you know, and, and I, I say this in a humble way. Now there's two books written that have really stemmed from this yeah. struggle in my life where yeah. I, I just started to talk more. And now like different opportunities to speak to different groups. And it's, so now mm -hmm. I talk about it a lot, mm -hmm. uh, but, and, and like I said, those difficult times are really where, and I know God softened and shapens me for shapens for what lies ahead for me. Yeah. Now I, I, I was teaching there. I, I I've gone on now. I'm a, I'm a principal and just have some really neat leadership experiences that yeah. I know God was preparing me for. And, and certainly, yeah. I always say this in my upbringing, there, has, there wasn't a day, there hasn't been a day I haven't known Jesus, just a wonderful upbringing. Uh, mm -hmm. But it also went very well. And as I said, it also went yeah. according, according to plan. And then mm -hmm. sometimes you think you're going to get married. All right. Uh, that'll fully satisfy me. Or we're going to have kids. Now I'm, I'm fully satisfied. Or I get mm -hmm. that job. That's it. And it's like, I got that feeling where maybe I was searching for my identity and those things. And I played yeah. I played college sports and and that came mm -hmm. to a close. So people always chase things. So I'm, especially this year, I always pick a word of the year. My words follow. And I, I think of Psalm 23 and David, the Lord is my shepherd. And it talks about, he leads me by still waters. He restores mm -hmm. my soul. He, and just that idea of to truly lead, we need to be following. And I, I think that's been just that identity for my identity in Christ Versus all those earthly things that I tend to like to pursue, but they don't, yeah. they don't fully satisfy me. It's almost always a what's next, but I also struggle yeah. because I want to maximize. I want people to maximize the gifts God has given them as well. Yeah. So that's certainly yeah. taking risks and that's certainly trying things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it speaks to the idea of, um, yeah, not just, not just identity, but also a sense of where do you truly find your security mm -hmm. and your experience of, you know, if we're talking from a faith walk, it's the difference of knowing Jesus and experiencing Jesus, right? It's like you can know of somebody, mm -hmm. you know, when you're dating, it's like you hear of someone, oh, I know of him. I might even know a lot about him, but that's not what inherently creates that intimate relationship. It's the experience. It's the being together and experiencing the emotions that come from that, that is ultimately what ends up translating the knowledge into that intimate relationship. And that's really what those difficult times, at least in my life, do for us is it takes the knowledge and now suddenly it turns it into an intimate experience because now there's a dependence 
that requires me to trust in him when I have (laughs) nothing else. I'm laying on the floor looking at everyone. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's so looking down at me. Yeah. I I read this morning in Psalm when David said, when I felt secure, I thought I won't be shaken. Like just, Mm. yeah, when we, there's, there's times we felt that we feel secure and like we're we're in control, but you're, you're you're building that trust. It's not, it's not knowing. And I like what you're talking about there, that idea of knowledge, almost knowledge versus wisdom. And I heard a quote once, knowledge is knowing tomatoes of fruit, wisdom's not putting it in a fruit fruit bowl where, mm-hmm. all right, you know it. And it's, and then like, it's, as we read the Bible, it's not just to know about God, like you're saying, it's to know mm-hmm. God. And, mm-hmm. Well, and, and then to take that analogy a step further then I would argue. So there's like knowledge, wisdom, but then the experience is then eating the tomato. Right. It's like taking it that step further where it's not just knowing God. It's not just knowing about God and living with wisdom. But then it is that intimate experience that feels really intangible because it's it's a spiritual transaction that is different than a human to human one. And so it's hard for us to comprehend. And yet it's so very real. And the best time to experience it is in those broken moments, which I think you frame really well in your first book. I remember having this conversation in leading with a humble heart. I think that is, I think you dive into that more. So for anyone who is kind of in that place and wants to dive more into that idea of what is it like to just allow yourself to be broken in humility, I think that devotional is a really great, and of course, we'll have the links to these books um, in the show notes. Before we dive into leading with people, Zach probably remembers this before, but we're going to play a Would You Rather again. Oh, no. I'm nervous. Oh, no. today? What do you have today? You have no idea what's coming. Okay. Would you rather, I can't remember what I asked you last time. So <laughs> it's like having dementia, right? It's like a yeah. new experience every day. <laughs> Here we are. Would you rather own a personal yacht or a private jet? Private jet. Let's, let's get, where are you plenty. taking Carly to in your private oh, jet? Private jet. Let's, um, let's go to Hawaii. Let's go to Hawaii. Mm, but we all, I also need to go to another country. I'll be honest. I've never been outside the country. No, I have been. I just went to Mexico. You know what? I went to Mexico in the fall. I have been outside the country. <laughs> uh, but uh, no but comment. A, no a, comment. A yes, Mexico is outside of the United States. Yeah, I'm learning. Hey, I used to teach social studies and geography. <laughs> like I said, no comment. Uh, I'm here to be supportive. Um, yeah, actually, Hawaii. Honestly, Hawaii on that note kind of feels like a different country like it's a such a unique anyone who's been here for a long time has heard me talk about hawaii so many times because i love hawaii but it's like the blessing of the convenience of still being in the united states but it feels like a completely different country it's just beautiful i love hawaii okay would you rather you can go back in time so time is no issue here, but would okay. you rather watch Michael Jordan in his prime playing basketball or LeBron James in his time prime Michael, playing basketball? Michael Jordan. I'm all in Michael on Jordan. Michael, I'm all in on Michael Jordan. I went through phases where I tried to. I began this is a to, way more controversial subject right here. <laughs> I, I, I started to collect his sneakers and realized I couldn't keep up with collecting his sneakers. Got all yeah. the, got all his um, some DVDs. I was a I was a big I was a big Bulls fan in the nineties. Yeah, I mean Michael Jordan was our time. That was yeah. very much oh, like I grew I up with a, Michael Jordan. 
Oh, I was just yeah. a huge fan. All those commercials. If I could be like Mike Gatorade. Yeah. But LeBron James so is phenomenal. Funny. I'm not one who, I'm not a LeBron hater. He is phenomenal, especially the duration of his career. But, yeah. But, I'm, but he's no him. Michael Jordan. That's yeah. that's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, would you rather candy or baked goods? Love them both. Love them both. Big that's sweet not a question. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go candy. I love candy. Growing up, my sisters had to hide their candy from me and I would find it and I would, and I would get to a point where I would eat so much. I'd be like, it's best if I just finish it and maybe they'll forget it was there. So now my kids, out of, sight, out of mind, my kids hide candy from me. What's your favorite candy? What are you like crushing? So I love like Swedish fish, sour patch kids. Yeah. Like those, that type of candy is phenomenal. Yeah. I love yeah. That's goods. my husband too. There's great baked goods in Lancaster County. Yeah. Welcome to Lancaster County. Our food pillars are butter and sugar. <laughs> so, all right, real quick. So your husband eats a lot of candy. The guy's ripped. Yeah. The guy's ripped. Yeah. He's ripped. He, uh, he's helping no, me I get shouldn't. back in shape. I yeah. saw him. He posted a picture of a weed whacking one time. I was like, I got to get back in shape. I'm sure you are hardly in terrible shape either, but I should clarify, he doesn't eat a ton of candy, but we're totally different in that. Like I would take a baked good any day over Sour Patch Kids where like he would very much love like Sour Patch Kids, Skittles. Yeah. Yeah. No, I want bacon. Make sure you show him this part of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Zach's getting a shout out. Uh, Okay. Would you rather... Be a ninja or a pirate? This is a very serious question. Ninja or a pirate? I think ninja. Ninja sounds fun. What would you do with your ninja skills? I don't know. I just picture some... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, right away, I thought sneak attack, sneaking around. I don't know who I'd want to sneak attack them. <laughs> You're not really sure who he'd be attacking, but yeah. it'd be nice to have the skills, though, for sure. It yeah. feels cool. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're pulling like Johnny Depp vibes from Pirates of the Caribbean or something. And then it's yeah. like, that, that's was, pretty cool too. What was that other movie with Tom Hanks and the Somali pirates? Oh, I don't uh, know that one. I forget. There was a, I mean, obviously the the pirates weren't good in that one, but they, uh, they were well, they, there was a good actor there. Made it look, yeah. made, it look made it look fascinating. Like the real, yeah. the real pirates out there. Yeah. It is a wild, yeah. The whole like, the reality of what it would have been yeah. like once upon a time to yeah. be a, even if you're not a pirate, but just on these ships with no lights, like we don't think about that, but their only fuel source would have been like a fire on a, mm-hmm. like a porch, how yeah. dark it would have been Yeah, in the middle of the ocean. I mean, it's really, that's yeah. a creepy thought. Yep. So ninja. Yeah. We're going. Ninja. Yeah, we'll, stick with, <laughs> we'll stick with ninja. We'll stick with our ninja skills on the land. So we talk about leading with people and I like how you started the book with this concept or or trying to elucidate this idea of we want to align ourselves vertically to lead horizontally. Tell us, obviously, people, you need to get the book to read it, but give us this idea of the, the six pillar framework and how we are in sort of, um, short version using people as an acronym to lead better in our families or in our workplaces anywhere. 
Yeah, a couple a couple quotes that like it's the people who make a place special. Um, it's it's not what we have time for; it's who we have time for. And we just I know I find myself when I write, it's always a reminder to myself. We we exhaust yeah. we, we exhaust ourselves with a never ending to do list, and we miss the people in our lives. Like we we just get a head down mentality. And it's yeah. in, the, in the prioritize section. I talk about how one time my wife sat down. And she basically told me, you're not practicing what you preach. And our family mm-hmm. becoming a byproduct of it. So then I, I thought about the, the idea of byproduct and it's a secondary unintended result. And that froze me. That's no, I, that's no way what I wanted my family to be. Mm-hmm. But I realized I do the same thing at work where you, you come in, you have a list. I want to make sure I get these things done. And people become a byproduct, an unintended, a secondary result instead of prioritizing those things that we focus on. And, and one time I remember I was, I would work hard all week. And then Saturday I get to the point, Hey, it gives me a chance to get caught up on work. And, and my wife said, I don't want to see your laptop out this weekend. And, and I tried to, I got it out and she saw it. And then, you know, the times when you're just in trouble, maybe you don't know this time, maybe Zach knows when he's in trouble. So I just start following her around the house. Cause I want to yeah. make it, I want to make it all better. And I, I remember we were standing yeah. in the room and she said, she told me, she said, look around Zach. And there was a pile of laundry. And she said, what if I always said, there's just one more thing I need to finish before I'm with the kids. What if I always just said, there's that one more thing I need to finish. I just have to do that. She said, you say that all the time. I just have one more thing to finish. I just have this. And she said, our relationship with the kids would suffer. And that, that was a moment that really stood with me as far as even leading in my family, but leading at work. And, and that's where that P really starts off with, with prioritizing people. So that was just a powerful, my wife, she has a lot of, Carly has a lot of wisdom. And, and that's something that just really stood with me with prioritizing people. And then in the, in the book under prioritize, I talk about the way we greet, prioritize the way we greet people using their name. Um, something else I include is prioritize your most precious crop. And that's our family. And I, I share the story in there has my, we got a call that my 93 year old grandfather was passing away and we went to Western PA, drove three hours and we, we circled around um, for really his last days. And our family always, we like to circle up and pray the Bowermaster family. And I remember my cousin prayed just sort of all the accomplishments of my grandfather. We called him grandpa, but he said um, he was a humble farmer who always took care of his most precious crop, his family. And again, that's something that's that stood with me. Just taking care of those people right within our our sphere of influence and helping them grow as leaders as well. So I'll often take those those learning moments in the home and and help myself and help others try to recognize mm. that that concept of prioritizing people. So I know I'm only talking about the P right now, but that's a little bit on prioritizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the the prioritize concept is just, it is really hard because we are also called to action. There are things that we need to do, but then learning how to fit that in so that it's not superseding people. It is hard. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, this is me um, empathizing. Ah, it's a yeah. great segue into the next one with that sense of like we are not going to get it perfectly. And I appreciate that you're so willing to make that point because especially for those of us that are high achievers and and we feel called, we feel called to what we're doing and serving, 
but I don't believe that God will ever call us to something at the expense of our marriages and our families, specifically our kids. Mm-hmm. And so how do we live in that tension? And I think David is one of my favorite examples of scripture of living there. It's like he just owned it, that he was he did it imperfectly and he grieved it. And then he apologized He rep- and he moved on. Yeah. Right. It's like that concept of I've been ordained, but I'm exhausted. I'm human. Yeah. I'm going to rejoice and then I'm going to suffer and then I'm going to move on and trust yeah. the Lord. Like, so to yeah. me, with the prioritize for those of you being like, oh, it's so hard to do. I hear it. Zach hears it. We're going to do it imperfectly. And then we take the community of people around us and learn. (laughs) Exactly. And it's that give yourself grace. And and it's not. And I think I think you're right, though. I think we always need to stop and examine how are we leading in our homes? Um, Because I'll be like. I've been blessed with some opportunities now to expand and just some like like speaking with a school in Tennessee, speaking with a school in Tennessee or, or Virginia or going to get invited to Georgia. And I always pause and and I never want to go there and talk to them about leadership or um, growing as a person. If I'm, if I'm not doing it in my home or where I'm serving at Providence Mm -hmm. elementary school as principal. Mm -hmm. So I think that's always a good, a good gauge of, of how things are going and deciding whether we take different opportunities, depending on what season of life or what rhythm we're in, because Mm -hmm. there's, there's certainly different rhythms and I'm, it's not so much, a work-life balance. It's a work-life rhythm. Like that Carly knows yeah. there's different seasons of my work and we, yep. we start to know that as a family. So everyone is different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're empathizing. Yeah. My segue into the next one. All right. Tell Empath- us about empathizing. So empathize. He, here's where I've like empathy and then compassion where empathy would help me so much was how I felt as we shared a little bit earlier with my yeah. anxiety and depression, and no one could have guessed that. I, I guaranteed no one could have guessed what I was feeling on the inside. So yeah. just going going through that difficulty and trial certainly helps me and my lens of empathy. And that's that's what I, at each chapter, I start with a story. So I really get detailed about my struggle with anxiety and just how I was mm-hmm. feeling. But then really going into... I'll talk in the empathy section a lot about slowing down. And I use the analogy of a red light, how when we approach a yellow light, what we do is we often speed up and we go through it. When a yellow light, it's to cause us to slow down, take a look around. Should I still go or should I still not go? Just depending on the light and where you are. But just how when we slow down, because when we're driving fast, things out of our line of sight are blurry. But when we slow down, they become more clear. And that that's another thing. So in empathy, I really talk about slowing down and then I, I, listening, asking questions. I talk about asking some of the right questions and then learning to discern, which will lead into the compassion and the observe part. Like, what are the needs of others? So just mm-hmm. I'm a principal. So I walk around the hallways. And instead of just seeing the second grade teacher as a second grade teacher, there's a wife, there's a mom to two kids. Uh, the mom, um, the kid has been sick. Uh, the kid, the kid is now in the hospital. So just really, yeah. truly getting to learn stories. And I really encourage people to share their story in there, but then I, it's really about slowing down and what lens are we seeing others through? Yeah. And how do you encourage someone who does not, because what you haven't said, but this is true of empathy is you have to allow yourself to feel. 
And this is not natural for everyone. And some people grew up in an environment where, you know, deep emotions were either discouraged or especially if they were uncomfortable, like, no, we just keep it all peaceful. So I think a, a core element to empathy is learning to slow down, not just to see what other people are feeling, but also slowing down in your own life and being willing to, like you had to do, and I have certainly had to do, feel. Yeah. Even um, if it's uncomfortable. And so it's like, how do you encourage someone to start practicing that in their own life? Because I do think the people who are doing that for themselves are the ones who are inherently better mm-hmm. at observing and mm-hmm. empathizing with others. So in your own life or, you know, things that you have seen, what would be a way that you could encourage, I think men especially, to grow in this way. Yeah. Hey parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Again, so good. And I'll use in November... I actually, I was hospitalized for six nights. Mm. And I low oxygen levels and long story mm. short, medical wise, asthma with an upper respiratory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hadn't had asthma as a kid, but I, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and I just, I felt this suffering and it was, uh, I actually went home after three nights, then had to go back a day and a half later. Mm. And I remember going in and I was like, you know what? I actually deleted all social media apps off my phone and kept my phone away. And I was like, I just want to feel this suffering right now mm. and sort of be alone with God and feel the suffering because I could easily distract myself. I think we we distract ourselves so much and we don't we don't truly feel. I do it way too often, whether it be the phone, social media, we go for a, mm-hmm. those times. We never have like three to five minutes anymore of just sitting silence. It's, it's yep. a, a mindless scroll. Yep. And I do it. I do it. And I hate that I do it. Mm-hmm. But there's those times when you just sit and you're still and, and listen, the creativity, who knows how much creativity that's, that's hindering, because I realize I want to, I want to create, I want to continue to create, write and create content. But then I'll, I'll realize how much time am I wasting? And then that even pulls our thoughts to all different things. Oftentimes, yeah. even, even if it's at, good, even yeah. the good things are still keeping us yeah, I I like to say that busy is our self medication for reality. Yeah, yeah, that's what. And I I tend to struggle more on weekends. I tend to struggle more over the summer. I tend to struggle more with downtime. And I think mm-hmm. so that's an area I still and that's my word of the year. Follow just how can I get into um, a place of of being able to follow and not always that go 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 and just enjoying being still. So as you ask that, that's something I I really think about just. Let yourself, let yourself feel like avoid, limit those distractions. And then I also think you'll be able to get more of an honest reflection. At the end of that book, I, I do lay out a 49 day action plan. It's, it's based on seven by seven. And one of the first parts of the empathy week 
is to open up and share your story with someone. Mm. Because I think it's amazing how when we open up and share our story, how much it opens up stories that then others can share. And because it's amazing. When I started talking to people about anxiety and depression, believe me, and I was not alone. So many people, so many people who were able to relate. People still, and this is so encouraging, people reach out from across the country, even in across, even in different countries like Mexico, not Mexico, but as we talked about, Mexico is a country. In but some countries like Mexico, it is they'll, another country. Uh, they'll they'll reach out and just share their stories. I had a a mom reach out about her teenage son, and she said, "Your the opening of your book. That's exactly what my son's going through." So mm-hmm. I think just then starting to share our stories, mm-hmm. and in a way, it, it helps normalize things. It brings it to light. So yeah. instead of, instead yeah. of instead of reading in darkness and growing in darkness, it it yeah. comes to light and. So that's something I think about, really being able to allow time to be still, avoid those distractions. I try to wake, I try to wake up early and just sit at my dining room table. I, I have my Bible, I have my coffee. Usually it's usually we make sure it's on the timer, so it's already brewed. But those times you come out, yeah, you get your cup of coffee, you sit down, I have my journal, and I try to just spend time and thought and mm-hmm. definitely try not to go to my fir- my phone first. Because I, yeah. I know yep. there'll be, I know there'll be emails. I know there's social yeah. media notifications, yeah. and that just that just pulls my mind for the day. So I almost like that precious time before I, I word it like this: before you open up to the world. Yeah, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm just here before I start yeah. with the world. A hundred percent. I mean, that's literally the concept of my health and fitness program: early morning habits. The idea of starting your day being, not doing. And especially allowing yourself that rest from the busyness to really uh, allow yourself to feel and identify it and not be afraid of it and ultimately allow the Lord to strengthen you through it. I just want to show you guys, those of you watching, those of you listening, you can check out YouTube, but this is the actual like 49 day. There's challenges here. There's places for notes. Um, I don't even know how well my camera's picking that up, but I do love when books are interactive. And you can actually have spaces to write write notes in. Um, I keep interrupting you, but um, you can like power through the rest of the framework, uh, the pillars, and then specifically the challenges for us in them. Yeah. So then, so then the empathy when we slow down and we we observe the needs of others, we learn to discern the needs. So we truly get. So it really goes in order. We're taking care yeah. of ourselves first. We're building our foundation. We're prioritized getting to know people. As we get to know people, we can better empathize with them because we we know where they're coming from. Yeah. When we know where they're coming from, we can then respond with action. So the next chapter is observe the needs of others and respond with compassion. And I, I like to think of com- compassion as empathy in action. And that's where we're, we're actually taking action. And compassion doesn't have to be anything huge. The example of the biblical story I use in there is the Good Samaritan when um, man was beaten and robbed, and then you had you had priests and people of the church cross over to the other side of the road so they wouldn't have to pass him. But then the Good Samaritan sees the need, comes in, and takes care of that need. And just how are we doing that in our homes and in our workplaces as well? And like I said, it doesn't have to be anything huge. Sometimes that can be a hug. Sometimes it can be a phone call, just checking in on somebody. Um, 
I, I like to tell the story. We were going to Ocean City, New Jersey. We had our car piled up and on the back, we had five bikes and we were ready to go. And I took a picture of it before we left. We started down the road and I, I didn't feel right. So I got out and shook it a little bit. I came in, I, I told Carly, oh, we're good to go. We drive about three more minutes and, and crack. The bike rack slams to the ground. Uh, one of the bikes is destroyed and they're just dragging. And I remember I called my brother-in-law and I said, hey, can you come help us get us, our bikes back to the house? So my brother-in-law, and I talk about this, sometimes compassion is stopping what we're doing. He stops what he's doing. He comes to see us. And then what he does is he gets our bike rack off, but he had um, and puts his bike rack on our car, loads our bikes again, and we go on. So not only, mm-hmm. and you know, you hear the saying, give your shirt off your back. So he, he gave his bike rack and we went down and the best part of our trip was as a family, just all those different bike rides. And, and that's just a, a small example where just stopping what you're doing, he could have stopped at just helping us get our bikes back, but nope, he gave us his bike rack. We loaded it up and we headed on. So just having that, just those eyes for others as we go around, what are, what are the needs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Yeah. And then, so then, then it moves into pray. And I, I had a principal I worked with and I kept seeing him write in a little black book. And I, I didn't ask much about it. And then I saw him have what looked like a difficult conversation. And we were going to meet to talk about an upcoming faculty meeting. And he came back and he wrote in his book. And, and I said, can I ask you? Sounds you, like a therapy session. I'd be yeah. like, uh, yeah, what, what are you, yeah, like, what, writing are you about me? This, what are you writing in this book? And he, he held it up and he said, every, he said, every principal needs a little black book. And he said, what he does is, is he has difficult conversations with people and he finds out some of their needs and some of their hurts. He just writes it in his notebook and he uses mm. that. He uses it as a prayer journal. Um, mm. I like to take those things too, when I know of, of certain difficulties and I'll actually put it in my calendar, even if like something happened and it's a year from now or two years and I'll put it as a reoccurring calendar invite, mm. so I can reach idea. out to people. And I don't, I don't do it to be manipulative. Like how does he remember? Cause I think we need to be intentional with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he did say, he said, one of the best ways we can lead people is by what they may never see. And that's praying and that's praying mm. for people and, and often praying with people. And what I talk about throughout this book is how my eyes were opened up and how people came alongside me and did this in my journey and just lessons I've learned that I can take to others and want to, want to spread to them and in, in their journeys as well. And then we get into the L and that's where I, I talk about love and, you know, a biblical form of love, love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. And just walking alongside, those aren't common words you hear in leadership, uh, mm-hmm. patient, kind, and, and mm-hmm. gentle. And so it really dives in there um, just with how can we show love to others. And then the E is encourage. And one of my favorite verses is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another, and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. And in that chapter, I share a story about, you know, how we were just talking about acknowledging our feelings. Um, I don't know if I want to use the word accepting the feelings, but just understanding, hey, I'm feeling a certain yeah, way. Being aware of them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it's, it's not like I don't get anxious anymore. I still get anxious. Mm-hmm. I have times where I feel down, but I still, I just noted like, hey, I'm feeling like this today. 
I, I've, I've been there before and I'm able to work mm-hmm. through it. But I was meeting with a, a mentor of mine. He's not in education. He um, He's in the business world and has a nonprofit organization. And I was talking to him about some upcoming decisions that I felt anxious about. And I talk about this in here. And he said, I want to challenge you to do um, one thing. I want you to write two letters to yourself as if it's 15 to 20 years from now. One letter looking back as if it's a letter of regret, like you, you made poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Another one as a letter, hey, I made I made the right decisions. And he said, I want to add this. Maybe you want to even write it from the perspective of your kids. So I went home and there was a time, no one, no one, I don't know, it was a Sunday evening, but no one was at home. I don't know why. But I sat down and I wrote it from the perspective of my oldest daughter, who was nine at the time, as if she was writing it to me at 29 years old. And the letter of regret is her basically saying, Dad, I love you, but we needed you more. Your your mm. mom, mom needed you more. Me, Elliot and Isaac, we needed you more. I, I understand you were um there were a lot of people in your life and, and you were a good dad. But now that I'm grown and married, I don't I don't want my husband to be um as absent as you were. Like yeah. I, I, yeah. I know you were at times I know you were trying to physically be home, but you weren't always mentally at home. Yeah. And then the other letter is a letter of like, dad, I just want to thank you um, for the upbringing. Uh, we had such a wonderful childhood. I, I know you were always called to many different things, but you were always there for us. You always walked mm. alongside of us. And it really talks about then. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have told you this growing up, but I want to tell you now, I always wanted to find a husband like you. And yeah. like just even writing those letters was emotional for me. Every time I still look at those letters, it's mm. emotional for me. But why I have that in the encourage section, that was shared with me by a mentor, someone who encouraged me. And in there, I talk about like Matthew 5, 13 to 16, salt and light, being salt and light in the lives of others um, as we run the race God marked out for us. But just really encouraging people. I mean, it's it's not easy. There's lots of struggles. There's lots yeah. of earthly struggles here that God's using, using to soften and shape us um, mm. ultimately for eternity, but that doesn't make it easier in the here and now. And that's yeah. why that's why we need to be in community with one another. Yeah. Well, and I think we have this misperception at times and, and you have laid this out really well that this is not the case, but I think it's easy to feel like we can't be encouraging. We can't be leading. We can't be loving people if we are struggling ourselves. It just is this inherent sense of like, we have to lead from a place of strength, which if we're not careful, actually ends up being from a place of pride because we think we have to have it all together. But sometimes the greatest encouragement is somebody who is in a position of forward-facing leadership, humble themselves and share the struggle. Sometimes that is in and of itself as encouraging as anything. And I would think the same is true of of loving people, which you have, you know, made very clear just even in sharing your own stories. But I think it's, it's a challenge for all of us to kind of re-examine how we feel like leadership actually looks in our lives and how we're encouraging people. You mentioned David earlier, as you're talking about that, like I've been I've been journaling a lot. Like I start, I just started a new journal and I've been really that concept about follow, like following God. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I can't keep getting past David and Saul. 
the humility mm. and pride. Because um, even even when when Saul sinned, he said, "Oh, I acknowledge I sinned, but basically, still make me look good in front of the people." And, yeah. And and David just like oh, just just pours. The Psalms are so great with David pouring, yeah, pouring his heart out to God. And and as you can see on the cover of that book is a fruit tree, and it's really it's really based around John fifteen five, where Jesus says, "I am the vine, you are the branches. Um, if, if we remain in Him, we can bear much fruit." But apart from him, we can do nothing. So that's really where that that fruitful leadership is, the human side of leadership, walking alongside people, remembering it's the people who certainly do make a place special. I've I left um, Mannheim Central where I was assistant principal, and I just remember it was so hard to leave. Just so it just those people, those connections that you build. You you go through so many things day to day. You don't even remember, end up remembering those. It was during COVID too, but it's it's yeah. the relationships. And then I remember when it was time to say goodbye at Kissel Hill. And I I told the staff because it it, it all Kissel Hill was shorter than I expected with the, the positioning mm-hmm. opening up at home. But I remember just seeing their faces and I, I was just so sad. But be, but it was because of hopefully because I was intentional with relationships and hopefully they felt that too. Just mm-hmm. really building that. And that that's one of my goals as a school principal, to build a culture where it really does feel like a family, mm-hmm. where people can bring their struggles. They know people are going to be alongside them to support them. Um, but like I said, it's, it, but it's not easy. And it, it's a continued yeah. work in progress. We need to give ourselves, give ourselves grace. Yeah. yeah, grace to do it imperfectly. But... Right. As people have heard me say before, imperfect progress is better than no progress at all. So we just step forward knowing we're not going to do it, do it perfectly. Um, as always, you guys, the links are in the show notes. Zach, where can people follow you, learn more about you, keep an eye out for your next six books? <laughs> yeah, so uh, com is a great way to connect with me. Different areas up there, whether podcasts, I have some leadership blogs, educational blogs. I've also started to solely just one one day a week put out a little devotional. And I also can sell, sell my books through the website. So ZachBauerMaster.com. Um, also on Twitter, I guess it's called X now and Instagram at ZBauerMaster. Uh, those would be the best places to connect with me. Well, you guys definitely want to connect with Zach. And like I said, be sure to get this book or if the one on um, leading with a humble heart, that devotional resonates with you. You definitely want to check them out. I've read both. They're both excellent. Zach, it's so fun to have you again. I'm sure it'll only be a short period of time before you're back here with your next book. But Mm -hmm. it's an honor as always. I pray God's blessing over your heart, your home, Carly, your kids. So grateful for your leadership and the way that the Lord is using you. Okay, thank you so much. Same to your family as well. You have such a precious family. And thank you for the opportunity here and the platform here to share a little bit of my story. Thank you so much for listening to the Imperfectly Empowered Podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts from today. Leave an honest review of the show on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think. Remember, your story matters and you are loved. <laughs>